Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Newton podcast. This podcast seeks to share the truth of God's Word through the sermons and other teachings of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope these episodes will be a blessing to you and your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Open with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. We're going to finish chapter 9 this morning. As we begin and as you're flipping there, um, I will pray for us. God, thank you for your word that you have entrusted to us to use for our edification, our growth in the knowledge of you. Thank you for your word that reveals your salvation that you offer to us. God, help us now as we open it, as we look to it, to to have our eyes open to the truth, our hearts ready to be changed by it, and our minds to be renewed with it. God, we love you, and we ask that you would help us here and now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to catch back up with Peter. We're going to see Peter again. We haven't seen him since last chapter, in chapter 8, where we saw him join Philip in Samaria after he heard of Philip's ministry there and the the conversions that were happening there. And, and so him and, and John went to Samaria. And when they got there, they realized that the Samaritans didn't have the Spirit yet. They believed, but they hadn't received the Spirit yet. And so they sought to correct that. And so Peter and John laid hands on them. They prayed for them, and, and they received the Spirit. And, and as this happened, Simon, the, the sorcerer, saw this going on, and, and he attempted to buy this power from them, and, and he got a strong and stern rebuke from Peter. Um, Peter then, we see he goes back to Jerusalem, and along the way, he's preaching the gospel in, in every town he goes through. But now we're, we're catching up with him again, and the ministry he's carrying out, and we're going to see how he is continuing to be what he has been since Pentecost. He's been an empowered witness. And he's going about in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's testifying of Jesus and his resurrection. And he's doing mighty works in the name and the power of Jesus. He is what we all should seek to be, that empowered witness of a powerful Savior. And I tried, I I did my best this week, to come up with an illustration to compare what it's like to be an empowered witness. And I came up with nothing. (laughs) I did my best. I couldn't think of anything. I thought of, you know, maybe we can compare it to being a proxy. So someone can't be there at a board meeting as they send someone in their place as their proxy to, to speak for them on their behalf. But then I realized, you know, that's just, that's not quite it. It's not the same. And then I thought, what if we compare it to just being kind of the face of the company or a brand? Like, there's this company, but then there's the face that kind of does the the day-to-day. This is what people look to when they think of of the company or brand, but that didn't fit either. And I just, I couldn't come up with it. No matter how hard I tried to think of an illustration, there was nothing that I could come up with. And that's because there's nothing 
that can compare to what it is to be an empowered witness. They all fall short because, because this is unlike anything in the world. There is nothing that compares to what we get to do and what we are called to do, being an empowered witness of the powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. Because an empowered witness is so much more amazing than any of those other things because we get the privilege to do these two things and more, but these two things we're going to focus on this morning. We get to do them on behalf of and in the power of our God. As an empowered witness, we are called to do good works in the name of our powerful Savior. We get to do that to do good works in the name of our powerful Savior. And we also get to seek to bring life in the name of our powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. We get to do these things, and it's unlike anything you could ever do in this world. We get to be empowered witnesses of the powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. So look with me now at Acts chapter 9, where we're going to see these two things that we get to do. Starting in verse 32, we'll read two sections. We'll read the first section, and we'll look at the first thing, then the second, and we'll look at the second thing. Verse 32, as Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydia, in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Here is Peter living as an empowered witness, and he's doing good works in the name and the power of his Savior, Jesus Christ. He's traveling from place to place, and as he's going around, he comes to the town of Lydda, and, and notice what's already there. Notice in verse 32, what's already there. There's already saints there. There's already believers here in Lydda. This is evidence for us that the gospel has been continually going forth all over and not just in the places we've seen in Acts. The gospel is continually growing and the kingdom is expanding because people are living as empowered witnesses other than just the apostles, other than just Philip, All of the people that are believing are seeking to live as an empowered witness, and it's working. People are believing. There's already saints here. The kingdom is growing even between the lines of the pages on Acts. There's already saints here. And so Peter finds himself in Lydda, and he finds a man there while he's there, Aeneas. And I'm probably going to butcher that name at least once because it's just a weird spelling of a name. But Aeneas, he finds him there. And this man has been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years, twice as long as Penelope's been alive, and that's insane. Eight years. Think about it. Eight years. This man has laid in his bed night and day, day and night. For eight years, this man has needed extraordinary help and care, unable to take care of himself. He needed extreme help just to survive. But that was all about to change because of an empowered witness of the powerful Savior who showed up in Peter. Peter finding this paralyzed man, this bedridden man, 
does not just pass on by him, does not merely express his sympathy, I'm sorry that you're in this condition. No, he looks at the man and he tells him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And what happens? He gets up. He immediately gets up. He doesn't, it's not like it's a process where he's slowly gaining strength. He's doing physical therapy. No, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. All right, Peter, I'm up now. Immediately he gets up. And that's amazing. Church, don't let the passage of time and the familiarity of these kinds of accounts in the scriptures make you numb to the glory that they reveal. No matter how many times you read this or any of the miracles of Jesus, they are no less amazing. A man was lame, paralyzed, bedridden, eight years, and now immediately, because of this empowered witness coming in the name of Jesus, he is walking. He's up. Unable to do anything for eight years, confined to his bed, now he is walking around. And I love that little detail that Luke tells us what Peter tells him. Not just get up. No, don't just get up, Aeneas. Get up and make your bed. His bed probably hadn't been made in those eight years because he was in it. But now, Aeneas, get up, make your bed. You don't need that until it's dark outside. Make your bed. You're not confined there anymore. Jesus has healed you. All of this has happened because the powerful Savior, Jesus Christ, through his empowered witness, Peter, healed Aeneas. Church, empowered witnesses, if, if that's what we're called to be and called to do, they do good works in the name of their powerful Savior, Jesus Christ, which means we need to be doing good works in the name of Jesus. That's what Peter does here. Peter didn't go there in his own power. Peter doesn't go to Aeneas, finding him, saying, hey, Aeneas, get up, I'm healing you now. I'm doing this, Aeneas. No, Peter made it clear that the one doing the healing was Jesus Christ, not Peter. The power that healed Aeneas did not come from Peter. It came from Jesus who empowered Peter to work. Jesus is the source, not Peter. And that's why Peter makes sure that everyone knew who was to get the credit for this miracle. Everyone would know who did this. It's not Peter. We see all that lived in Lydda and Sharon, which is neighboring Lydda. They saw Aeneas walking around. He was bedridden eight years. Something's different about you, Aeneas. You're walking. And they didn't turn to Peter. They turned to the Lord. They turned to Jesus because he healed him. The only way that people turn to Jesus when they see Aeneas is if they know that Jesus is the one who did it. That's the only way that happens is if they were told that Jesus, the powerful Savior, is the one who healed Aeneas. Because when people would see Aeneas on the street after this, the question would inevitably have to come up, how did this happen? What, what did you go through? How are you walking? And the answer that was given is Jesus Christ healed me. 
through his empowered witness, Peter. Jesus gets the credit, not Peter. And so church, we're called to be empowered witnesses for our powerful Savior, which means we ought to be doing good and mighty works. And when we do those good and mighty works, there should be no question in people's minds as to who gets the credit. It's not me. It's not you. It's not the church here. It's Jesus. Jesus gets the credit. Jesus, the powerful Savior, gets the credit every time an empowered witness does something. Every time. Not some of the time, not just when it's big things, even the little things. You're doing it because Jesus empowered you to do it. Jesus gets the credit. Because when Jesus gets the credit, people will turn to him. Because that's what we want. We don't want people turning to us. I don't want people turning to me. Because when we get the credit, when I get the credit, and they, they would turn to me and look how awesome I am, which I'm not. We can't give them anything they truly need. We can't give them life. We can't give them forgiveness. Only Jesus can do that. So when we live as empowered witnesses and we do good works in the name and the power of Jesus, he gets the credit because he's what they need, because he can give them what they need. I can't do it. You can't do it. Only Jesus can. That's why... As empowered witnesses, we seek to do good works. So we don't only seek to do good works in the name of Jesus. We also seek to bring life to others in the name of Jesus. That's the second thing we see in our text this morning. Read with me verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. She was also doing good works and acts of charity. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. About that time, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who urged him, don't delay in coming with us. Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs and all the, window, and all the widows approached him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turning toward the body, said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand, and he helped her stand up. He called the saints and the widows and presented her alive, and this became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. We pick up the story in a new town. We're no longer in Lydda. Now we're in Joppa. And in Joppa, we learn that there was a disciple named Tabitha. I'm going to use that name because Dorcas is an unfortunate name. There was a disciple named Tabitha, and she was a beloved saint there in Joppa. She was always doing good works, as all disciples should seek to do. If we're empowered witnesses, we're supposed to be doing good works. That's what she's doing, always doing that. She's carrying out acts of charity. But then she fell ill. She died. And after she died, 
The other believers washed her and they placed her in a room upstairs. Now that's significant because that's not normal. People don't die and they put them in a room upstairs. That, that didn't happen. That would be ritually unclean. That's not something they would be used to. But they do that for her. Normally, the deceased would have been buried according to the customs of the time, but not this time. She's placed in a room so they could have time to send for Peter, who they hoped could bring her back. That was their hope. That's why they put her in the room upstairs. They thought she can live again. Just call for Peter. That's exactly what they did. Lida, being near Joppa, caused the believers to learn Peter was there. They knew he was there. They probably heard about what happened to Aeneas. And so they thought, Peter's there. We're going to send for him. So they send two men to go and retrieve Peter. The two men getting there urge Peter, come with us. Don't delay. Time is of the essence. Come on. And so Peter went. He was convinced. All right, I'll go with you. And when he arrived, he went to the room upstairs. They took him there, and he was met with the cries of the widow's mourning Tabitha. They were showing Peter all the robes and clothes that she had made them. There were signs of her life that was devoted to good works and acts of charity in the life of these widows, in the garments that she made them. It was evident that she had been there and that she was now gone. There was a hole there. Something was missing. and he, That's what he was met with. Cries of mourning widows who had lost likely their biggest help in this life outside of Jesus himself. Peter, seeing the grief and the impact of the loss, sends everyone out of the room. When it's just him and Tabitha's body there, Peter does what must be done for Tabitha to be brought back to life. He says, hey, Tabitha, I'm telling you, get up in my power. No, he doesn't say that. He does what must be done. He kneels down and he seeks the one with resurrection power. He prays for God to work through him. That's what he does. He kneels down and prays. He knows, I can't do this. I can't just say, Tabitha, get up. I need God to give me the power, to empower me as his witness, to use Jesus' power for her to rise again. So he prays. And after he does that, he turns to Tabitha's body and says, Tabitha, get up. And what happens? She opens her eyes, sees Peter, and gets up. Peter gives her his hand. He helps her stand. He calls the other saints in, the widows back in, and presents her alive to them. And don't, again, don't become numb to this miracle either, which is arguably greater than the last one. A woman was dead, lifeless, and she was given life again. Those other saints, those widows who were mourning, who were crying, who were desperate for her to be back, would not have merely seen her, shrugged their shoulders, and went back on with their day unchanged. No. They would have been affected by the power and the glory of Jesus Christ because that's what was on display here. Jesus' 
power and his glory was evident for them. This woman was dead. Now she lives again. And it became known throughout Joppa. People were talking about this. And many people believed in Jesus. Again, he is getting the credit here. Peter isn't the one who raised Tabitha from the dead. Jesus did. In fact, this act is so very similar to what Jesus did when he was still here in his earthly ministry. There are so many similarities between this instance of a woman being raised back to life and another one in Luke 8. Luke 8, 49 to 56. If you want to turn there, feel free. That's where we're going to be. Luke 8, 49 to 56, where we're going to see the similarities between when Jesus was doing these things in his time here on earth in his earthly ministry and what just happened with Tabitha. Luke 8, 49. I'll give you a minute to get there. While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, don't be afraid, only believe and she will be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her, but he said, stop crying because she is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. So he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he gave orders that she'd be given something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he instructed them to tell no one what happened. Here are the similarities between that resurrection story and this resurrection story. Messengers were sent to retrieve both Jesus and Peter. They knew and they believed you could do something. There were a group of mourners at both places. The widows crying out, a mourners here. The room was cleared in both instances, although to different degrees, but the res- because the resurrection in Luke here was used as a teaching moment for Peter who would later do what he just did. He saw with his very eyes that this was possible that Jesus could raise someone from the dead, that life after death was possible. There was a call to rise that came, and both did. And both Peter and Jesus took the person who was dead and now alive again by the hand. The similarities are there because the one who raised the girl in Luke 8 is the same one who raised Tabitha here in Acts 9. It's the same one. It's the same powerful Jesus who gives life where there was once death. And he does so by working through his empowered witness, Peter, here in Acts chapter 9. Because that's what empowered witnesses do. They seek to bring life in the name and the power of Jesus. Church, we ought to be doing this still today. And I'm not saying we go and find the morgue and start calling people to get up. I'm not saying that. But we ought to be living as empowered witnesses who who seek to bring life in the name and the power of Jesus. Which means, I'm not saying God can't do this today. I'm not going to limit God because he can do what he wants. 
But as empowered witnesses, we can be sure to bring life to those who are dead spiritually by being those empowered witnesses we're called to be. Listen to Ephesians 2, 1 to 5. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked, according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Paul, in that passage, makes it abundantly clear that those without Christ are dead in their trespasses and sins. And when he says dead there, he means dead. Not, I've said it before, not kind of dead, not mostly dead. No, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, completely lifeless. And the only way for that person, dead in their sins, to live again, to be made alive again, is by the power of God. That's it. That's the only way. Listen again, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, what we just read. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead. God makes that which was dead alive again, and he does so in Christ Jesus. God brings life where there was death. And part of how he goes about doing that today is by using his empowered witnesses to go and to proclaim Jesus, who again is the resurrection and the life. We, church, as empowered witnesses, have been given the privilege of playing the part in bringing life to those who are dead, just like Peter got to do here. Peter got the privilege to be a part of raising Tabitha back to life. We get to go out as ambassadors for Christ, pleading on his behalf for people to be reconciled to God. We get to do that. We don't, it's not that we have to do that. You're forced to do that. No, we get to do that. We get to go out and proclaim to a dying world, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Yes, death is real. Your sin has made you dead. But... The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We get to do that. Praise God we get to do that. We get to play a part in God bringing people to life by telling them these things. Telling them of Jesus. Telling them that, yes, you're dead in your sins, but you don't have to be dead. Jesus died for you. And he rose again for you to give you life and life everlasting and life with the Father. We get to tell people that. The greatest news that has ever been, we get to tell people that. The only question is, is are we going to do it? Are we going to tell people that? Or are we going to let them continue living a, a lifeless life? Will we live as the empowered witnesses we're called to be? 
Will we live a life doing good works in the name of our powerful Savior, Jesus Christ, giving him the credit? I didn't do this. God did it. Jesus did it. Are we going to live as empowered witnesses seeking to bring life in the name of our powerful Savior? Look to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Be given life in Jesus. Find forgiveness in Jesus. Will we do that? Don't neglect or take for granted the call on your life to live as an empowered witness for our powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't neglect it. Embrace it. See the joy in it that you get to call people to Jesus and they get life in Jesus. If you don't have that, if you don't have life in Jesus, I'm calling you. Come to Jesus. Be given life. Yes, you're dead in your sins without him, but you can have life in him through God's power. Believe in Jesus. Believe that he died for you, that he rose again, that he conquered sin and death once for all. Repent of your sins and follow after him. If you need to do that, don't wait. Don't put it off. Come to him today. Yes, I'll talk to you here, but it's not me that's saving you. It's Jesus. So come to him today. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to this recording of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope that the biblical truths presented in this podcast will help you in your walk with Jesus. If you do not have a church home, we invite you to join us here at 1045 on Sunday mornings. You can find the church address as well as other information about our church at ibcnewton.org. Whether you are able to join us here in person or not, we hope that you will find a Bible-believing church near you to join as you continue to follow Jesus.